are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Colossians chapter number three this evening, if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, Let's take it, please, and let's turn to Colossians 3. And in our church, we have been going through this Bible book, and God has used it greatly in our lives and in my life as well. The Bible says in Colossians chapter number 3, and in verse number 15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Let me bow forward to prayer before I begin. Father, tonight I come to you. And I'm grateful that we can have an open Bible this evening. Lord, to read your word, I would pray you'd speak to our hearts this evening. Give us truth that would help us as we seek to live for you this week. I would pray that you'd empty me of myself and fill me with your spirit that I could be a blessing to the people that are here this evening. Thank you, God, for the North Valley Baptist Church. Thank you for their faithfulness and their testimony, their love for you and for your word. I would pray you bless now our time together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, for as long as I can remember, I've always been a a fan of crime uh, crime TV. I've I've always enjoyed watching that on television. Matter of fact, we were watching a little bit of television the other night, and we just happened to land on one of those crime shows. I enjoy going on the journey with the detectives and looking for clues and looking for evidences, uh, uh, trying to pinpoint the perpetrator and looking for uh, clues and DNA and fingerprints and things of that nature. I enjoy watching the interviews and the, the grainy uh, holding rooms there as they interview that uh, suspect and seeing perhaps that they are either guilty or not guilty, trying to get some information out of that person. I enjoy watching the courtroom scene as that person will stand before the judge and and that uh, lawyer will begin to prosecute that individual and with enough evidence that judge will determine whether or not that person is guilty or not guilty. At the conclusion of those episodes, inevitably there's going to be some text on the screen that gives that person's name and whether or not they were found guilty or innocent. Then usually it tells that person where they're sending or spending their sentence and for how long they're sen- uh, spending that sentence. That entire case of those crime TV shows centers around the idea of whether or not there's enough evidence to convict the suspect for the crime that they are alleged to have committed. And much like our text of scripture tonight, I want you to go on a crime scene journey with me about not just some suspect in some distant land, but the the suspect tonight is you, the suspect tonight is me to identify whether or not there is enough evidence in our lives to see if we are living the Christ-centered life. Paul is writing in Colossians chapter 1, 2, and 3, and 4 to a church by the name of Colossae. Paul had never met these individuals. 
As a matter of fact, Paul is in Rome as he's writing this letter and he's writing back to a, a church body that had been infiltrated by a false doctrine that was called Gnosticism. In short, this false heresy and teaching was leading the Colossi church to believe that there was something more needed in these people's lives besides Jesus Christ. They said they had to have Jesus plus legalism or Jesus plus the law, Jesus plus good works or Jesus plus a religious experience. But as Paul is writing the book of Colossians, he's writing back to the church and saying, listen, I want you people to know that Jesus is enough, that you are complete in Jesus, that it's not Jesus plus the law, it's not Jesus plus good works, it's not Jesus plus this type of religious experience. Jesus is enough. As a matter of fact, Paul would say that in Christ or in Jesus, we are complete. And so Paul is admonishing these people and challenging these people and reminding them that Jesus is enough. And I'll say this by way of introduction tonight. Even in 2020, Jesus is still enough. Uh, false religions and false teaching and false churches will say it's Jesus plus good works or it's Jesus plus another book. But I'll say tonight, for those that are watching, those that are here, Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is sovereign. And Jesus is Supreme. Now in Colossians chapter 3 and Colossians chapter 4, Paul is moving from the theological chapters of 1 and 2, now addressing the very practical teaching and preaching of how we live out the Christ-centered life. Paul has spent Colossians 1 and 2 talking about sound doctrine. Now in Colossians chapter 3 and 4, he's going to talk about the spiritual duty of believers. In chapters 1 and 2, he talks about what we believe about Jesus. Chapters 3 and 4, Paul now talks about how we behave in light of who Jesus is. Chapters 1 and 2, Paul talks about our position in Christ. Chapters 3 and 4, Paul now talks about our practice in Christ. Paul says that we're to live the Christ-centered life, that Jesus is to be not just a part of our life, Jesus is our life, not just on a Sunday morning, not just on a Wednesday night, not just on a Sunday evening. Jesus is to be our life 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days out of the year. Paul said in his life, as in he not only uh, preached this, but he practices. That's a good thing to do. Amen. Paul said in Philippians chapter number one and verse number 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 8, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Paul's mission, Paul's purpose in life was Jesus. Paul's purpose and passion was to please the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this question tonight, church. Is that your passion? Is that your heartbeat this evening? Is that what you are living for? Are you living to please Jesus or are you living to please yourself? Are you living to please man or living to please the Lord Jesus Christ? We sing that song so oftentimes. I just want to please the Lord. Be in His will in every way. To be lost in His presence and found in His likeness. To hear Him say, well done someday. Paul now gives to us Three evidences tonight of the Christ-centered life. See, how do I know if I'm living with Christ at the center of my life? How do I know if I'm living the Christ-centered life? Paul says for us in our text, there's three evidences that I want to give to you, or three clues 
that will help us identify the man, the woman, the child in the mirror, whether or not we are living with Christ at the center. Number one, the Bible says this in verse 15. How do I know if I'm living the Christ-centered life? Verse 15 says this, that the peace of God will rule. The peace of God will rule. Look at your Bibles one more time. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which ye also are called in one body and be ye thankful. Peace in this text as he talked about the peace of God means to join together, to bind together that which has been separated. We know that our position in Christ now is that we are at peace with God. How many of us recognize this evening that before we met the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible clearly states that we were the enemies of God. We were alienated from God. We were strangers and foreigners. Why? The Bible says in the book of Genesis that it was because of our sin that separated us from a holy and righteous God. And religion tries to do good works and religion tries to do good things to reconcile ourselves back to God. But none of those things are sufficient. Jesus is enough. And that's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and in verse number 10. If, for if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. How do we have peace with God tonight, or how do we have the peace of God tonight through Jesus Christ our Lord? We're no longer a stranger, we're no longer an outcast, we're no longer an enemy, but we are being reconciled to God to be sons and daughters who have friendship with God because of what Jesus has done. So the peace of Christ will rule, but he's talking now not just about a positional peace, but a practical peace, meaning this that the word peace, meaning freedom from worry freedom from worry so let the peace of god the peace of christ we could say let it rule in your hearts peace of christ jesus said this way in john 14 verse number 27 peace i leave with you and my peace i give unto you not as the world giveth give i unto you let not your heart be troubled nor be afraid you know our world tonight doesn't have peace do they we're living in a world that's looking and searching for peace. So they turn to a politician. They, learn, they, they turn to a treaty. They turn to people. But I like that quote where it says this, where there's no Jesus, there'll be no peace. But if we know Jesus, we can know peace. And the evidence for our life tonight, church, is if we are living the Christ-centered life, is that there will be the peace of Christ or the peace of God that will rule in our hearts meaning this that there's no worry no stress no care knowing that Jesus is in control knowing that Jesus is sovereign knowing that Jesus is supreme knowing that Jesus is sufficient say pastor you have anybody in mind no I've got my myself in mind this evening because so oftentimes what's happened in the year 2020 you know it's been ruling in my heart at times fear you know it's ruled in my heart apprehension you know, it's ruled in my heart anxiety. You know, it's ruled in my heart at times uncertainty and the unknown. But the Christ-centered life is the person who understands that they let the peace of Christ rule. What does that, rule, that word rule mean? 
The way that Paul is talking about is the, the mental picture, the imagery of that of an umpire or that of a judge or a referee. For, for me, I think many of you know that. That's one of the things that I do on the side. I enjoy refereeing basketball games and I'll put on the stripes and I'll put the whistle on the black pants. There's nothing like being booed by a, a, a stadium, a crowd, about 500 people. It's an exhilarating feeling. I love it. Reminds me of Sunday morning when I'm preaching sometimes. You know, I'm just kidding. Just teasing. But, but Paul says the peace of Christ, the, the peace of God is going to rule. And he says it's like an umpire of an athletic contest that decides the outcome of a game. That we allows that person to determine whether or not that person is inbounds or out of bounds. Whether or not the field goal was good or no good. We're letting Christ rule in our hearts and lives. Let me ask you this question. Does the peace of Christ rule in your heart this evening? Has the peace of Christ ruled in your heart and life in 2020? Has the peace of Christ ruled in your life when you're worried, depressed, discouraged, or anxious? Has the peace of Christ played umpire in your life that be your behavior and how you live your life is determined by that Jesus is in charge and Jesus is in control? Does it... Does it does the peace of Christ rule in our church? Does the peace of Christ rule in our marriages? Does the peace of Christ rule in our relationships with our coworkers and our homes? Does the peace of Christ rule in our life and our decision making? The Bible says, Isaiah 26, verse number 3, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. But notice number 2 this evening. The Bible says in verse number 16, evidence number 2 or clue number 2 of the Christ-centered life is first, you let the peace of God rule. But number two, look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So number two, number two, the evidence of our Christ-centered life is that the word of Christ will dwell. The word of Christ will dwell. Look at the Bible. The Bible says, verse number 16, the first word, it says what? It says let. That word let is an amazing word. It's not God forcing his word on us. It's, it's like a parent. I've got little ones at home, and at dinner time when the broccoli or the peas get passed, as all the color-coordinated food is there, and the candle is glowing, and the quiet music is playing in the, the background for dinner time music, KNDBC is on. On and some of you, I hope you're getting that in the car this evening, but maybe not. When that child's dead, I don't want to have peas. I know, but I want to have some Tillamook ice cream with a double fudge for dessert. Amen. I'm waking the people in the back up this evening. Praise God, ice cream. It's not me saying, Land, open up that mouth. Let me put these peas in your mouth and bless God. You're going to like it. Lump it, bump it, or rump it, buddy. I pay the bills in this house. Don't do that. But it's that word let, where. God invites us to allow us to let this word dwell, reside, making it a personal choice in your life that you are not going to be governed by external circumstances and problems, but your life is going to be governed by this word right here. Let the word of Christ dwell. Allow it. Open up your heart tonight. Receive the word and let your heart be filled with the word of Christ, the word of Christ, the gospel, the doctrine of Christ, the truth that has Christ as its subject. It's the word of God. 
That word dwell, he says, let the word of Christ dwell, is an interesting word that literally means to make at home. To make at home or to open up your heart and allow this place, this word, to be made at home in your heart. You know, we oftentimes use that word in our life, whether a visitor comes to our house or for Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever the case might be, you have them over for a dinner time. You say to that person, you say, hey, make yourself at home. No, really, we don't mean that, do we? Because you don't want me making myself at home at your house. My, take my shoes off, I'll take my socks off, throw some slippers on, get comfortable on your couch, throw a blanket on, and uh, lay down with a pillow and, and, and have some Tillamook ice cream and some root beer and, and fall asleep on the couch on a Sunday afternoon and mouth wide open, drooling all, get out, and those types of things, and making myself comfortable on your couch. I'll even go to your fridge if I made myself really at home and open up that orange juice, take the lid off and drink it from the can. Make sure that Rebecca's not watching, things like that. But what we say is make, your, make the word of Christ a permanent resident of your heart. Allow this word to find its place into your heart. The Bible says this in Psalm 119, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I may not sin against thee. Jesus said this in John 15, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. The word of God needs to find a lodging in your heart. The word of God needs to find a place in your heart this evening. I love the psalmist where he says in Psalm 119 and verse 97, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day long. See, when you're living the Christ-centered life, this word is not just going to happen on a Sunday and just not going to happen on a Wednesday, but tomorrow morning you're going to find yourself on a Thursday morning with the open Bible and a pen ready to receive truth from God's word. What are you doing? You're hiding it in your hearts. You're not being governed by Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or Newsmax or whatever the newest newspaper might be out there. You're allowing this word to dwell in you because you're living the Christ-centered life. I like how one man said this way. He said, the Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, the happiness of believers. The Word of God, its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, comfort to cheer you. It's the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here too, heaven is open, the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is his grand subject, our good is designed, and the glory of God its end. So let the word of Christ dwell in you. A Christ-centered life. The story is told of a young girl who was born blind and this young lady, while she was born blind, was learned, was taught how to read the Bible by way of Braille. She was given a copy of Mark's gospel and was taught how to use her finger to comprehend and understand the word of God. That girl's fingers became so callous that after some time of reading the Word of God that she began to lose sensitivity in her fingertips. She said that in order to allow her hands to have feeling once again, she began to cut away the calluses at her fingertips. In so doing, she discovered that these fingertips were hoping to have more sensitivity, actually lost her sense of feeling. 
Tragically, that little girl, that young lady, she said to that Bible as she cut those fingers and the calluses that replaced it were more permanent and harder and tougher. She held that copy of God's Word and she began to weep and began to cry. She said, farewell, farewell, sweet Word of my Heavenly Father. Thinking that in her life she would never have the opportunity to read with her finger because of her blindness. Holding God's Word in her hand, she gave it one good kiss goodbye. In so doing, she found that her lips were even more sensitive to touch than her fingertips were. And the story is told how that young lady, born blind, who could no longer use her fingertips to read Braille, she would take her lips and with her lips would read the Word of God. Let me ask you, church, tonight, do you have that type of passion for this Word this evening? Do you have that type of, of life that your life is letting the Word of Christ dwell in you? Can I challenge us in the year 2020? Let's spend more time in the Word than we do on TV. Let's spend more time in the Word than we do on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. What would happen in the church? What would happen in our country if God's people got serious about this Word right here and found themselves in the Bible and let the Word of Christ dwell in them this evening? Read it, believe it, obey it, heed it. Why? It is God's Word. So the evidences of a Christ-centered life, the peace of Christ will rule. The Word of Christ will dwell. But number three, look quickly this evening. The Bible says, And whatsoever ye do in word, or indeed do all in the name of who? Say it out loud. The Lord Jesus. What a beautiful name that is. Amen. Never has there been a name so dear than this heart of mine. There's a name divine, the precious name of Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he says here tonight, the evidence number three of a Christ-centered life is that you will live and I will live with the glory of Christ as the goal. The glory of Christ as our goal. Paul says that whatever you do, meaning literally whatever you do, making no exceptions, not making the split between sacred or secular, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our church, in our areas of service, that whatever we are doing in word or deed, lips and life, we do to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just religious service on Sunday, but on business on Monday. Who are we doing it for? We're doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ. Speaking in His name acting in His name, behaving to His honor and to His glory, not to our own. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, and in verse 23, that whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. The story is told of a, of a symphony director. Tuscanini was his name on his 80th birthday. He was a masterful uh, orchestra leader. And they, they asked his son on this special day, they said, what is your father's greatest achievement. He chuckled and said to my father, there was no such thing as his greatest achievement. Because everything he did, he did it passionately. He did it diligently. He gave it his best effort. If he was leading the orchestra or peeling the orange, the orange, he did it with his best. Let me say this tonight, church. We give our best. We do everything we can. Not for a pat on the back. Not for an attaboy. Not for the glory of ourselves, but for the glory of Jesus Christ. The Christian has but one aim. 
Our aim tonight, our goal is His glory. To live for the audience and the applause of one whose name is Jesus. And I want to encourage us tonight, church, that we, if we are living the Christ-centered life, that whatever it is that we are doing, we do it for the glory of God. So let me ask you this question quickly. Asking ourselves this week, how do we apply that? What does that mean? What is the test for us this week? We ask ourselves questions like these. Would Jesus post that? Would Jesus say that? Would Jesus treat his bride that way? Would Jesus behave that way behind the wheel? Would Jesus treat that person who's at a different political stance than I do that way? Would Jesus be pleased with what I'm watching? Would Jesus be pleased with the websites that I'm going to? Would Jesus be pleased with the time that I'm spending this evening? Would Jesus be honored in my conversation? Does this sound like Jesus? Does this honor Jesus? The glory of Christ is our goal. So there's three evidences. The peace of Christ rules. The word of Christ dwells. The glory of Christ is the goal. So let me ask you the question. Are you living the Christ-centered life? Is there evidences this evening in your life that your life is centered, your life is hid with Christ and God? Is your life focused on pleasing Christ? Let me just for a moment by way of closing draw your attention to a courtroom scene. And in that courtroom scene, you are on the trial. You are on the stand. Judges God Almighty Himself. Your life is being examined whether or not you are living the Christ-centered life. The evidence is the priest of Christ would rule. The Word of Christ would dwell. And the glory of Christ is the goal. I've asked myself this question, Tim, would there be enough evidence in my life that I would be living the Christ-centered life? Would I be found guilty or not guilty of living the Christ-centered life? 2020 has been an unusual year. It has, hasn't it? A unique year for many people, for most of us. But for me, what it's done, it's revealed my heart. It's revealed in my life what I'm living for. It's revealed in my life whether or not Christ is at the center. It's revealed in my own heart at times the how I can let anxiety rule or discouragement rule. But tonight, Paul gives us three evidences that the peace of Christ would rule. Let it rule this week. Let Christ play umpire in your life. Let the Word of Christ dwell. Get yourself in the Word of God this week. Hide His words in your heart. And whatever you do, do for the glory of God. Because Christ is the goal. Let me bow forward a prayer tonight. Father, tonight I come to you. And I thank you for these people that are here and those that are watching. Lord, we want to live the Christ-centered life. I want to. I believe that this church wants to. I believe the staff and deacons and the lay people that are here tonight are endeavoring and striving and longing to live that life with Christ at the center. Lord, forgive us at times in our life where we have not done that. We repent of our sin. Forgive us where Christ has not been our life practically speaking. So Lord, we want this week the peace of Christ to rule. Not taking thought of the morrow, for the morrow should take care of itself. That you feed the, the birds and you feed the, the, the fowls and you feed all those types of things. And God, you've got everything under control. So may the peace of Christ rule. May the word of Christ dwell in us this week. Give us a passion for the word. Give us a passion to read it, understand it, to fall in love with the Bible. 
Lord, I would pray that all of us tonight would live with the goal, the, the, the goal of the glory of Christ being what we're aiming for. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.